Wrestling with my brother. We got a podcast, yeah. Wrestling with my brother. Hello and welcome to the podcast that'll smack the herpes off your lips. It's wrestling with my brother. Oh, will we? <laughs> will we? Oh no, I mean maybe not. But the Rock threatened to, didn't he, the other day? He's back to being heel Rock in WWE now, and uh, I think a lot of the fans are on board for it. I am on board for his silk shirts again. That is the best thing WWE have done for decades. Yeah, it's great, but he's kind of combined it with the short sleeve look that he went when he started wearing waistcoats. So he's like Hollywood rock with the old um, silk shirts and, yeah, the smack talking. It's good. It's actually quite exciting. I've been reading quite a lot about it, and uh, he's really kind of embracing this run, and it seems like he's really into it rather than just being, you know, somebody they draft in for a bit of fun every now and again. Well, it wasn't intended for him to be a heel, was it? Because he he stopped Cody from finishing his story. Like, Cody's a fucking four-year-old. Mummy, finish my story. We know you want to be champion. Stop banging on about your story. And then because The Rock threatened to take that away because of Triple H just booking off him, they were all like, you know, we want Cody and started a massive movement. And then... Yeah, suddenly he's like, well, I'm leaning into this. They're booing me anyway. I might as well be healed and join the bloodline. Yeah, it's good. It's a good dynamic. I mean, I'm enjoying what I'm seeing and reading of it. All kind of secondhand, of course, because I don't watch it live. But I am watching clips of it and enjoying it. Yeah, it's good fun. Do you want to tell us what's happening with the other Fed AE dub? Um, oh, it's just so no, that <laughs> just sound like <laughs> no, I can't. It's just the same. I will just, I'll just say it's the same. All right, that good, eh? No, it is it's phenomenal. And then the worst two hours of TV I've ever watched, and then meh, and then why the hell would you put in with them? And then my god, that was the best main event of I've ever seen. And then, oh, for Christ's sake, I'm on my phone for two hours. Honestly, it's the most random thing. We watch five hours of AEW a week. And yeah, within those five hours, you get the worst and the best. I saw a lot of piss taking of um, uh, an episode recently. I don't know whether it was a landmark episode, maybe the 200th or something. And they had a big graphic saying, thank you, Tony Khan. And everyone's like, oh, my God, he's so fucking full of himself. Oh, but it's not, though. He, he is a genuinely humble man. No, I, you know, it's got to be the, the graphics department backstage. I think it's the crew thanking him more than, come on, audience, thank the Messiah. That's what I like to think, anyway. He's not the Messiah. He's a very naughty boy. <laughs> oh, there was an amazingly hilarious segment, though, between, I was going to call him Divas. That's so old school, Craig. Uh, between Soraya and this other mental case. Um... I didn't realise, Tina told me actually afterwards, it was a Simpsons reference. This this woman called Harley, um, Harley Cameron, she keeps on having knives and like misconstrued in situations and actually going to kill people. And they're like, whoa, my God, it's just a wrestling show. <laughs> this time she goes, ha and it's my knife again. And Saraya goes, Harley, that's a spoon. And she goes, ah, you haven't, you obviously haven't played the knifey spoon game. And she whacks her tits with the spoon <laughs> and the internet's gone crazy over it. It's brilliant. Oh, that does sound good. We'll have to pick that for a clip in future. It was, it's a very short promo, but she's like, aha. And she's wild. But she's, again, the term leaning into, she's leaned into this 
crazy persona and it's good that comes from the simpsons episode where they go to australia and um yeah. he goes that's not a knife that's a knife and he goes oh, that's a spoon oh so you've played knifey spoony before that's it so they play that clip uh, play the harley clip and then play the simpsons clip straight after and i didn't make the link because she she's got such a personality i didn't think i thought it sounded familiar but yeah no we've got a revolution now in march that's Stones last match ever crazy old bastard until the next one of course until the next one because as we know wrestlers cannot stay retired so yeah, mixed bag overall, but uh, still hanging in there, still still keeping up to date with it. It's a mixed bag. The handles are starting to go a little bit, but you're still holding on to it. Yeah. Is it a bag for life? I don't know. But yeah, it's a bag for now. <laughs> oh my God. Can we please call this episode that? Brilliant. Absolutely. I love it. Wrestling with truth, yeah. Okay, so, wrestling with the truth. My turn this week. Craig, wrestle with this truth. Or lie. Could be either. We don't know yet. Anyway. Four men have held the WWF slash E Intercontinental and European Championships at the same time. True or false, all four went on to become world champion of some kind. Yeah, you made that sound like four men at the same time held three belts each. It was four men have individually held three championship belts at the same time. Pedantry with my brother. <laughs> we love semantics, yeah. Shit, bro, I don't know. He's into con- so, so four triple crown winners is basically what you're saying. Uh, yeah. No, so close. And this came Uh, from a clip that you've picked in this episode. So the four men, in no particular order, were D'Lo Brown, Kurt Angle, Jeff Jarrett, and RVD. They've all held the Intercontinental and European Championships at the same time in uh, WWF slash E runs. Now, Kurt Angle, obviously, multi-time world champion, RVD, future WWE and ECW champion. Jeff Jarrett, TNA world champion. Low Brown did not get a world, a major world championship belt. Um, the Yeah, the phrasing still confused me. But, okay. Should <laughs> I rephrase it? How do, how do you want me to rephrase it? Too late now. I'm tired, bro. I need I need a shot of something. Have a shot of wrestling with my brother action with the first clip. Go! <laughs> God, that was like the word. It's like an advert within the podcast. Oh, yeah. All right, yeah, shit. This is my first clip. This is the aforementioned D'Lo Brown versus AJ Styles at TNA back in day. Two of the best, and here they go with everything on the line. Springboarding off the top, Dilo catching him in midair, and then back body dropping him on the unforgiving ramp. Oh man. Dilo slowly getting up to his feet, climbing up the steps, headed back towards the ring. 
Here he goes. What? No way. What? He is not going to do this. D'Lo to the top? Are you kidding me? No. AJ no. on the rip? No chance. Look out. First of all, soz about the quality of this clip if you're watching along at home, but that's not referring to the quality of the match here. As the kids used to say, it was filmed on a potato. <laughs> yes, it was probably filmed on a Game Boy because they had the video attachments back in the day. Yeah, I do apologize. But no, not to do with the quality of the match. Who knew Delo or Delo, as he goes by, could work this bloody good when he isn't breaking people's backs? <laughs> do, do, do. Yes, this little treat took place in the early days of TNA, and wow, how bloody good was this? Starting off with a nice handshake, show respect, love it, great way to start a match, into a lovely pop-up Hurricane Rana, that backflip reverse DDT, and that huge springboard moonsault from D'Lo. They've got such great chemistry and timing here, and how crazy to see such an established star from the Attitude Era bring it like a light heavyweight. And I think that's a lot of things that we featured on this pod is, you know, random-ass, golden-aged wrestling stars way back in the day, in hardcore matches or, you know, in other feds. That's what I love is when you send me clips or I find them and go, oh, shit, I did not know that happened before. So, um, yeah, I know you're going to mention it too, but that low down to the outside. Ooh, according to a comment on the video, Stahl said on Twitch that he legit blacked out from it. And you can, if you look at when that happened... Maybe you've got a timestamp. He is there for about 10 seconds, and all he's doing is breathing. He is not moving at all. Scary stuff, but bloody lovely stuff all the same. It seems so strange to me that these two would ever have fought together. I had no idea Elo was in TNA. So to learn that he was in a tag team with AJ Styles came as a huge surprise. Now, I love AJ Styles, so I'm always happy to watch a match with him in it. And he is so good in this. Um, and it's amazing to me that he's still at the top of the game more than 20 years later. This is 20 years ago. And he still yeah. looks as good. And he's still main eventing WWE matches 20 years later. That, that's just insane. But I tell you what is insane and what is amazing is D'Lo Brown. I've never seen him do half the moves he does here. <laughs> A springboard top rope moonsault low down to the outside. Who is this guy? He's great. Let's get him world champion. I know the only memories I've got of him back in the day is wobbling his stupid head and being European champion. That's all, that's the only memories I've had. Well, he used to wear that chest protector thing, didn't he? Do you remember that gimmick? Yeah. And he used, he said he had an injury or something and he wore it, but he used to then use it to attack his opponents or to get the better of them, especially with the <laughs> lowdown move. Yeah. yeah. I mean, judging by this match, I think he had a lot more to give in the ring than we realise or than he, ever he was allowed to do. But I guess he just didn't have a, a strong enough character or gimmick because he just seemed to bumble around the mid-card of all these different promotions, really. Obviously, here he had you know world championship, world title matches with AJ Styles, a few of them from what I can gather. Um, but he wasn't there for very long, and then he was kind of back and forth different 
places and just never really breaking out of that. And yeah, maybe he did have more to offer. Maybe he should have been, you know, in that world title picture. Maybe he should have been the fourth person to become world champion after holding those two belts at the same time. Yeah, I I think because he was dicking about with the likes of Midian and Draws, but, you know, Prince Albert, like you said, that lower mid card back in the day, you're never going to have five star matches with any of those types of people. And it was a different style back then, you know, definitely in the Attitude Era, it was more hard hitting, smash mouth, less, less AJ Styles, more Stone Cold, just kicking the shit out of anyone. So, yeah, it is quite sad. But, yeah, I mean, I've seen a few matches with him tagging and a ladder match which looks quite good as well this is AJ maybe we could pick that but yeah really good do you remember oh my I'm trying to remember the names now of the people involved uh he had he was in a really shit tag team wasn't he towards the end of his initial WWE run I think it was called Lowdown and he teamed up yeah. with somebody called Chaz and it was it Tiger Ali Singh and yeah, that's it. yeah, Chaz was one half of the headbangers, wouldn't he? Was it? Yeah, Chaz and Mosh. That was it. Okay. But yeah, they oh, teamed Thrash. up. Uh, yeah, no, you're thinking of Thrash and Mosh. But yeah, Chaz, I can't even remember who he is. I just remember the name. And they, they all had, they wore turbans and stuff. It was, what the fuck? What an <laughs> awful gimmick. <laughs> you you slipped into a bit of Pacino then. What the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> What the fuck is in Ruffalo? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like I said, he just bumbled around mid cards and really never broke out from that. Which you know, judging by this match, perhaps he should have done. But uh, yeah, it's good, good pick, good choice. Well done, thank you. you. You're welcome, and thank you for thanking me. Oh yeah. So it's on to my first clip. This is a one, two, three kid versus Hakushi at WWF SummerSlam in 1995. Here we go. Off the rope. Hakushi. Oh, look at this. What a back body drop. That's good finishing. And Hakushi now. Oh, oh. Up the job. Hakushi. On one side of the ring, he's a panther like individual. The kid trying to get back up. Look out. Hakushi on the way out. Unbelievable! Wait a minute, Hakushi's hurt too! Back into easily hurt both individuals. Hakushi, noted to be the modern day kamikaze. Boy, did he ever take a risk, and I don't think he had to. I know it, you're exactly right. That Let's was not a back. smart move. This is another one of those matches that I was alerted to from social media. There was a post on Instagram, I think, might even have been Facebook, that said something like, Is this the most underrated wrestling match of the 1990s? Something like that. And I, I think it was up there, definitely. I mean, when you consider the context of where the WWF was at the time, it was, you know, properly suffering. WCW was really taken off. And if you consider the main event of this pay-per-view, it's been voted one of the worst of all time. It was King Mabel versus Diesel. Ugh, Ugh I know, stinking up the <laughs> joint. But matches like this were just not taking place. And I don't think audiences were used to it. It's It, it was great. I mean, lots of fast-paced chain wrestling, hip-ups, and that's just in the first minute. And then you've got Hakushi pulling out moves like handspring elbow to the corner, mid-rope splash, handspring moonsault over the top rope to the outside. You know, 
10 years later or even you know five or six years later yeah this this stuff would have been everywhere and people would have loved it but these moves were just not being done in the wwf in 1995 at all and is another underrated wrestler it one two three kid or you know better known as uh, x-pac um, Sean Waltman, I, he had some really good moves in this. The springboard over the top rope, the top rope frog splash. I think, you know, I think he probably deserved to be in the world title scene as well um, and probably would have been if he'd managed to, to stretch his career a little longer. I think he was too young looking and too small at the start of his career and then, you know, probably too old when he did look the part, perhaps. Um, and he did he out as well. Well, there is that. And he did have some personal issues and injuries, didn't he? I was going to say. Yeah. But yeah, I enjoyed this match. It seemed to be kind of looking towards the future of what was coming for wrestling in terms of smaller wrestlers, more fast-paced action, more high-flyer moves. We've done it again, haven't you? Picking a match that was on my list. I think I saw the exact same social media post as you. And that is the beauty of social media, isn't it? The more than one person gets to see it. Yeah, another another hidden gem. Featuring a popular Attitude Era star as well. It's almost like we're brothers and we know what we're doing on this pod. We, we do have a lot of weird coincidences. These matches, for anyone that, that isn't in the know, in the, in the biz, Darren sends me his clips, I send him my clips. We do it in isolation. We don't know what we're getting. And that that is, that's a shoot, brother. So yeah, it is weird to see these kind of comparisons. Like we've done it in the past, haven't we? We're like we featured the same wrestler four times almost, and it's like we're in sync. Yeah, a great match. Now I know Hakushi best as, and I'm gonna butcher the name, sorry, Shinze Shinzaki, uh in ECW. I think he was in uh I think he was in Heatwave 98, if memory serves me right, in a tag match against Van Damme Sabu. But yeah, these two are so well matched. So much action to call here. It was crazy. It, oh, you you didn't you didn't mention that. I really thought you would have. It was funny seeing Hakushi doing a version of the Bronco Buster as well. Did you did you catch that when X Pac was in the corner? Yes, he did, of course. Yeah, that was X Pac's move. I remember that, yeah. Yeah. Although we didn't tour a scrotum, so well done, Hakushi. Um, yeah, that cartwheel backflip to the outside was just Chef's kiss as well. Uh, yeah, I just thought it was a great competitive match. And like you said, it did feel out of place because you still had the shouty version of McMahon, the the very patriotic red, white and blue colouring and all still child friendly. And I just kept on thinking while watching this, if I could just take these two as they were in this match and drop them into the 2024 wrestling scene, they would legit tear it up because... You know, I know you're saying about the one, two, three kid looking very young. Well, yeah, well, so is Jungle Boy. They just put boy at the end of his name and 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 make that part of his gimmick. And, you know, all the great stuff that AEW is doing, bringing in loads of New Japan stars. I'm seeing as many Japanese wrestlers on my screen now as American ones, which is brilliant to see. And they were ahead of their time. And like you said, they did telegraph a style that was to come. And maybe a little little too ahead of their time and you know it was it was the wrong place they weren't cartoony enough maybe yeah but i mean vince on commentary and and king they were both really into the match though weren't they you know they weren't uh they weren't selling it down at all they weren't no. saying that, that, that they were taking too many risks they they were blown away by the action so i think vince must have seen something in it i'm i'm quite interested in 
Sean Waltman's name change as a wrestler because it's quite interesting. Well, it's interesting to me as anyway, maybe, maybe not to anybody else, but I'm going to bore you all with it anyway. So he was initially sure. called the kid when he was in WWF, and then when he pinned Razor Ramon in a shock match, he was the one, two, three kid because of the one, two, three. Then when he went to WCW, he became the sixth member of the NWO. So he was called Six or SYXX, which was also one, two, three added up. Six. Yeah, took me a minute. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think he either used the name Six Pack or that became like his nickname. He was known as Six yeah. Pack. And then when he went back to WWF slash E, he was X Pack after Six Pack. So it all it's a evolution. He should have been called X back because he was back in back where he belongs. Oh, that's good. That is good. But and, and also I gotta pick you up on one thing, because it, it's oh. terrific. You said about the Bronco Buster tearing his, his scrotum. He actually teared his anus. Was it his per- perineum? Um no, I think it was actually his, his arsehole. I mean, I it's it's not one of those things you want to Google, is it really? But Google image, think... I would have thought. Yeah, definitely that one. But yeah, it was uh, it was a horrific injury anyway. I don't know how you would manage to do that. Well, maybe Ugh. we could put that into a, a previous segment that we had. Would you rather? Would you rather tear your, your, your balls or your ass? Maybe we save that for another pod. Um, balls, I think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, funnily enough, this is quite a sexual title for my second clip, which I'm just cleverly calling Limp Carino. What is your problem, Steve? We have a match out there to do. Jack, I can't concentrate. What, what do you mean? mean? There's a stupid concert. That stupid Limp Biscuit is over in the other building. The music's so loud. The people are so loud. I can't concentrate on my match. I have a very important match tonight. I know you do. And I'm tired of it. Do you know how much good luck I've been having? A lot. Rhino's not paying attention to me to jerry lost at the pay-per-view i don't know what's going on i don't know if i'm doing something wrong something right all i know is i'm gonna go over there and i'm gonna tell everybody in that stupid concert what steve carino is all about are you with me or not fine be that way just like rhino i'm gonna show him jack Oh, my favourite wrestler in ECW facing off against my favourite rap metal band, Limp Mother Effin' Biscuit. Rock and roll band, surely. That's what Carino calls them. <laughs> He's such a stooge, isn't he? Oh, one of the comments in the video said, ECW working with Fred Durst in the 90s is pop culture in a nutshell. Man, it's quintessential, isn't it? You had this renegade promotion that didn't care about anything they did. It's all about sex, drugs, beer, canes, rock and roll, and the exact same for, for Limp Bizzle. Oh, yeah. So a bit of backstory to this. Not that it really needs one because it's just silly for its own sake. But basically, Steve Carino can't concentrate on preparing for his match because a bloody band who are performing next door are too loud. That band is Limp Biscuit, yo. So what does the king of old school do? Ignore them? Play his own music to drown it out, maybe? Nope. He marches over there and bloody well confronts them. That's what he does. Oh, lovely, lovely heel mic work here from Carino. In front of, let's face it, the biggest crowd he'll ever be in front of 
it actually looked quite weird to see a set of ECW wrestlers in front of that many people. And it pains me to say that, but it's true. I still love you, Steve. Yeah, I, I swear this clip was played week in, week out in the late 90s, and for good reason. Every time I'd watch ECW on TNN back in the day, it was Carino getting into his face. But yeah, all I can say is, WWF, you can keep your rock and wrestling, because we've got extreme limp biscuit, yo. Yes, well, I mean, this starts off with Steve Carino. He's sour. He's ready to go. And then he goes to challenge Limp Biscuit, maybe with the intent to break stuff, or maybe put one of them in a full Nelson. But instead, he ends up getting rearranged by the other wrestlers. I see we did there. Maybe his chocolate starfish got rearranged in the process. Like Sean Waltman's. <laughs> <laughs> Brought it fully back round. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there was Carino living it up in the arena, thinking he's the one. But no, this, all he can hear is the noise pollution from next door. And he, he's like, right, Limp Biscuit, show me what you got. <laughs> I love that the old man in you, the first thing you did, right, crack the knuckles, every Limp Biscuit song title, please, because it's way too loud for me to remember now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, just, I'm just rolling, anybody. Anyway. Oh. It's your way, isn't it? It's your way, the highway. That's what I say. But it's not my generation anymore. That's the problem. Oh, really? I should have known. I did not pick this to set you up, but I should have known you'd weave in all this wordplay, all this clever little... Oh, you're so proud of yourself, aren't you? I think I'm special. I do. <laughs> Behind those blue eyes, bro, is a smart brain. Oh... Yeah, I, I this was great. This was so funny. I bet I I was like, this is just Craig's life at this time. ECW yeah. and Limp Bizkit. How was how was this not on our very first episode? Because I had no idea this existed. What do you mean at that time? That there's still two of my favorite things in the world now. I'm a, I'm nearly forty years old. Don't laugh at that. That's that's keeping it real, Holmes. Twenty years ago, it was your favorite thing ever. Still is now, bro. That and Batman. I never grow up. I'm the Peter Pan of podcasts. Well, what can I say? I collect Legos, so, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yes, I mean, it, it was so funny. There's there's not a lot to say about it, really, is there, other than the yeah. Limp Bizkit were a good sports, and perhaps this spurred them on to get involved in WWE and do the whole rolling air raid video for um, Undertaker. Yeah, that's like I was thinking, because he was a playable character in one of the games as well. He got around, didn't he, back then, old Freddy? Yeah, no, it was... Uh, it was that whole thing, wasn't it? And I think ECW started it. That It was almost a second wave of the rock and wrestling thing, but it was the new metal and wrestling. And I think ECW started that attitude. And then the WWE just fucking picked it up and ran with it. You know, Limp Bizkit, Disturbed. If you think of some of the bands that they had doing music and getting involved in the shows around that era, you know, yeah. it, it was that whole mix. And that's why we loved it so much, yeah. I think. There was a funny little botch, I suppose you could call it, that you didn't pick up on, and I thought you would. New Jack was standing behind Fred Durst, who was on the right, and Karina's on the left. And then you had Bulls behind Karina saying, uh-uh-uh, look, look, look. <laughs> but the camera kind of panned a bit too far to the right. You already saw New Jack behind Fred. And I'm like, oh, and then he had to go back around. I was like, oh, I was a bit orcs. 
Oh, but no, yeah. I didn't notice that. No, I was just thinking, I, when I saw New Jack, I thought, I wonder how many people are going to get seriously hurt or killed <laughs> on this stage. Shots, oh, my God. And Carino bladed once, and then I think he wasn't happy with the amount of blood, and he bladed again. His forehead is like mincemeat. It's gross. Yeah. I think most of the fans of Limp Bizkit probably would have been into ECW and, and wrestling, and those that weren't probably would have been after this. So I don't think there were many of them that would have been against what was going on, do you reckon? No, do you know what? But the heel stuff, yeah, obviously. But I, I looked out into the crowd. Obviously, you can only see the first couple of rows. They're just a sea of people. And it, it may I had a bit of a sad moment thinking, oh, my God, they were literally wrestling the building next door. Look at the thousands upon thousands of, let's face it, male-dominated, sweaty metalheads who love aggression and loud things and violence and, 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 and partially naked women. It's sad to think that those two events happened at the exact same time and yet ECW weren't able to tap into even a tiny part of Limp Biscuit's audience. Things might have turned out a lot different. Imagine if... ECW would have been in that exact arena that Limbiscuit played in front of the exact crowd. Like you said, it would have got over and it did make me a bit sad. Like, fucking hell, they probably wrestled in front of a couple of thousand next door. And how many run that crowd? My God. Mm. I thought you were going to say you were sad you weren't there. I mean, that would have been well, your yeah. dream. That's Craig's heaven yeah, right Yeah, but what there. would I be doing? I'd be sp- He'd be playing a song. I'd sprint across, watch a match, sprint back, watch a song. I'd be torn. If, yeah, that that is your heaven, isn't it? One room ECW, the next room new metal. One after, I think if I could watch ECW and then grow grab a beer and go across and watch Limbiscuit, that is my dream day. Really. Okay, what well, what will be in the third room then? The, the third and final room. There's three rooms. A hotel room, bro. It's a bed. I'm old. <laughs> I'd be <laughs> I'd be deaf. My feet would be killing me. My back would be in half. You kidding me? <laughs> a quiet room with a bed. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, so on to my second clip, final one for this episode. This is the Ultimate Warriors Apology video. It's uh, Vince Apology. But not in the Warriors character. What am I, what, 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 I mean, I'm humbly apologizing, but I'm not saying what I'm humbly apologizing for. That's you right. You know what the gimmick's for, but I mean, what, what's it for? Ian... Three, two. I understand that there comes times in everyone's life when they may regret certain things. That f- regret certain things that they should. This. F- yeah, I know. I don't know what the f- to say. I didn't you say nothing to the goddamn kid. I understand that. Well, no, you don't, because I'm f- making a videotape to some kid. It's a f- work. Apology. It's a work. So this is taken from a documentary about the Ultimate Warrior, broadcast by A and E. And it shows the Ultimate Warrior struggling to make an apology video. I found this explanation for the video on a tweet by Wrestle Lamia. I'm going to read it out because it's really funny. So in 1991, apparently, the Ultimate Warrior refused to sign an autograph for a kid. Turns out that kid was the son of a higher-up employee at one of the WWF's biggest syndicated networks at the time. The father contacted Vince, telling him how furious he was of Warrior's ignorant actions. And in order to placate him, Vince had the Warrior film an apology so they weren't kicked off the network. I mean, there's so much to love about this video. First of all, it's a rare look behind the scenes in an era when you didn't get any of that, really, and when kayfabe was still king in wrestling. 
And two, it's just bloody funny. You know, <laughs> the warrior does not want to be there. He doesn't understand why he's doing it. He doesn't, he's not interested in doing it whatsoever. Whatever the reason is, he doesn't feel he's done anything wrong. And it just fints in the background saying, it's a fucking work. This warrior <laughs> just gets more and more frustrated. Um, I mean, I think it's generally known that Warrior was difficult to work with and not especially good with fans either. In Bret Hart's book, he tells a couple of stories about how Warrior basically ignored fans and even one kid who was like dying and he was there like with a make-a-wish thing. Despite the fact he was a huge star and, you know, massively popular with kids and, and presumably everything he wanted was that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but having said that, you know, he was in... You know, lots of different bad places at lots of different times. And I think from what I can gather, he kind of went around making amends at the end. So, you know, maybe maybe he found the piece that he needed. But anyway, this is still a bloody funny video of a man just struggling to make a, a, an apology that he doesn't mean. <laughs> oh, my God. This is the rarest wrestling clip of all time. Because both Vinnie Mac and the Warrior are out of character at the start, I've, I've my my head exploded and I lolled so hard because I know you did this to mess with me so that I can't do an impersonation of either of them because for yeah for the most part they were themselves and like you said it's a work it's a work it's your job and I'm like. Dude, your your billionaire boss is opposite you, and he's throwing the biggest hissy fit known to man. Like you're not a child, you are a gargantuan, and you're like, ah, oh, fuck, I don't want to do this. It makes no fucking sense pulling his blonde hair out. So I'm like, grow up, fuck's sake. We all have to do stuff we don't want to do. It's called being an adult, and it was the biggest dummy out the pram moment ever, wasn't it? Yeah, and it's mad as well to see him slip out of character because we've seen and featured on this podcast so many clips of him being that manic ultimate warrior, making absolutely no sense, just looking to the <laughs> heavens and, and talking bullshit and perspiring and waving his arms. And he he there were bits of that, and then he would become Jim Helwig again when he fucked up, yeah. just do it again. I don't want to do this. And then he would go yeah. into the warrior and the fans and all that. And then he would go back <laughs> to Jim Helwig because I fucked up again. Oh, it's just such an interesting look behind the scenes. I tell you what it did remind me of as well. It reminded me of when we did Mean Gene, wasn't it? And the behind yeah. the scenes of Mean Gene. Oh. As he passed the fucking potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's time for another one. Him just lighting up behind the scenes. He was so squeaky clean on camera. He's effing and jeffing. I tell you what this clip reminded me of is our podcast, the way he bungled through his lines. My God, what you don't hear, folks, is how much we fuck up. And Darren just is splicing, cutting, editing, splicing it up every single time. But yeah, I think they should have aired this version of it because it was way more entertaining than the actual apology. I think just air it. Just we'll go, we'll do it live. <laughs> well, I don't think they were actually... This was for A, from what I can gather. I think it was a personal video that he sent to him and his son to apologize and basically to keep them on the network. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, you know, the things you've got to do for your boss, the things you've got to do for work. Uh, yeah, oh, like tell me about it. Making an apology <laughs> video. Have you ever had to make an apology video? Uh, yeah, all time, all time. Yeah, sometimes it's voice notes, sometimes it's an email. Um, the rare time is a face to face, but yeah, for the most part. Yeah, I I just can't help but 
you know, upset people naturally. So yeah, it's, it's part of who I am now. That's very sad. I thought you were a nice person. <laughs> <laughs> That's the biggest joke of the pod. No, well, well, mostly after these pods here, I have to send a bunch of letters out and, you know, apologizing for the content and <laughs> yeah, to our dad and anyone else that could be listening. So yeah. As if. As if, <laughs> as if anyone fucking listens. Oh, they do. He does. <laughs> to do what it also reminded me of as well is Michael Scott in the office. I mean, how many apology videos did he make over the years for various things? <laughs> oh my god, he should have been there with a the hairspray. <laughs> I love that for like a solid minute. Oh, <laughs> yeah, this is weird. I, I, I knew that you'd know the context, but it's even weirder because I'm like, oh my god, it's like a minute long. No context. I thought, what the hell is this all about? But yeah, I loved it. Yeah, it was part of a documentary. But when the clip was clipped up and like did the rounds on social media, it, people didn't know what it was. And I don't think there was any context. Yeah. And so people were speculating over what the context was. But yeah, WrestleMania said that's, that's what the story behind it was. But it also, like I said, chimes with a lot of stories about Jim Helwig, Ultimate Warrior, and what mm. he was like back in the day, which not a very nice person to work with, apparently. Much like yourself, bro. So, we've... <laughs> look, I'll, that's... Oh, look at this shot. <laughs> I'll expect an apology video in 10 minutes. <laughs> to all the brothers out there who I offended. Uh, oh, fuck this. I'm uh, sorry. I'm sorry. I love... All the brothers in the world. <coughs> and while Craig coughs his guts up, I'll sign us off by saying thank you for listening to Wrestling With My Brother. And we've been the brothers, Darren and Craig, and we are on the social medias. If you're interested yeah. in connecting with us, at Pod on Twitter and Instagram and threads, but we don't go on threads. <laughs> Why did you put the internet of everything then? We are on the computers and the TVs and the billboards and all the listening things. We're on the Instagram, the Twitter, all the social media. The intraweb. Yeah, shit. Come on. Come and post. Come and post with us. Comment, like, share, subscribe. You know what to do. Just listen. Let's get our numbers up. Oh, I'm spent. It's another good one there as well. Another one in the uh, in the banks. We're coming up to 100 as well, I think. Well, it, it, we're creeping towards it at least, aren't we? This will be our 65th episode. So, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> Wrestling with my brother. We got a podcast, yeah. Wrestling with my brother. 